Hello and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies and your host for the program. This is episode 63 and the NBA regular season is underway. And it got off to a great start Wednesday night in Memphis. Today's show is being brought to you by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Hoop City has helped young men be great on the court and in the community, and their alumni include major college and NBA players. If you'd like more information on how to become part of this great sports and character-building club, log on to HoopCityBC.com. You can follow them on Twitter at HoopCityBC. As they say, it's in our blood. It's who we are in Hoop City. Well, we're going to go back to kind of a standard format for the show that we introduced in Season 1. This is now Season 2 of the Grizz Weekly Grind. Thank you for all your support, your ratings, your subscriptions, your reviews, your questions, and everything that you have done to make this a successful podcast. Hope that you are enjoying it. And uh, we're going to go back, as I said, back to our regular format. We've got that was the week that was. It was a a short week, obviously, only one regular season game. Uh, We've got some Petey's points off of the first game of the season and special friend of the program, first Grizzlies player to be a friend of the program, rookie Zaire Williams. We had a conversation the day before the season opener against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and so Zaire Williams will be our friend of the program today. So without further ado, let's get it rolling again with That Was the Week That Was. So Wednesday night, the Grizzlies open the regular season against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Opening night wins always in short supply for the Grizzlies. Had won only five times in franchise history on opening night. Had not won since beating New Orleans in 2017. And when you saw the Cleveland Cavaliers on the schedule for opening night, you thought, okay, well, this might not be too bad. The Cavaliers were 22-50 and a year ago. They did get Evan Mobley out of USC with the third overall pick. You thought, well, yeah. He's just a rookie. Maybe uh, maybe this will be a, a, a good game for the Grizzlies to get right. Grizzlies do not have Dylan Brooks, as you all know. Uh, left hand fracture. It, uh, it appeared to be okay. He was going through practice during training camp, but uh, some additional imaging showed that there needed to be more healing, and so uh, that has been braced, and uh, he will be reevaluated in a couple of weeks. So the Grizzlies don't have him. So for a starting lineup, they go with Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., Stephen Adams, DeAnthony Melton, and John Morant. Grizzlies in the first quarter. It was a very, very entertaining first quarter. Ended 32-32. John Morant with 12 points on 6 of 9 shooting. All six of his field goals in the first quarter came in the paint. The big issue for the Grizzlies, they could not defend the three-point line. Cavaliers last year were dead last in three-point percentage, but they hit four of nine. Jetty Osman comes off the bench, hits three of three from three for nine points, and it's 32-32 after one quarter, and uh, you started to scratch your head a little bit because the Grizzlies typically are a very stout defensive team, and they were anything but in that first quarter. Go on to the second quarter, and this is where the Grizzlies really caught fire, particularly from three-point land. I'd said that the Cavaliers were four of nine from three in the first quarter. Grizzlies only two of seven. Desmond Bain hit one. Kyle Anderson hit one. But John Morant was 0 for two. So not a lot of production from the three-point line. And that's been an emphasis for Taylor Jenkins this year. He wants more threes in the air uh, than the Grizzlies were shooting previously. Second quarter, well, this is where it all started to come together. 
Grizzlies went 7 of 11 from 3 in the second quarter. They made 7 of 11 in the period alone. DeAnthony Melton, 3 for 3 from the long line. And so he had 9 points in the quarter. And the Grizzlies outscoring the Cavaliers 41 to 29 in that period. Meanwhile, the Cavaliers, who had hit 4 triples in the first quarter, they go 1 of 7 from the 3-point line in the quarter. The other thing, the Grizzlies limited themselves to just two turnovers in that second quarter. John Morant with eight in the period, and the Grizzlies were able to take a halftime lead 73-61, and it seemed at that point that maybe the natural order of things had been restored and the Grizzlies were going to cruise to a victory. As our good friend Lee Corso would say, not so fast, my friends. Uh, Cleveland was not going to go away. Uh, They continued to play excellent basketball, Uh, on both ends of the floor. Grizzlies got themselves in trouble with five turnovers in the third quarter, and that was the big issue for them. Cavaliers, uh, a very balanced attack for them in the quarter, and they pull within four at 94-90 through three quarters. Cavaliers through three quarters, and this has to be particularly troubling for Taylor Jenkins. Uh, Cavaliers, 21 fast break points through three quarters. Not the numbers that Taylor Jenkins and his staff are looking for from the Grizzlies' defense. Fourth quarter, well, Cavaliers, again, would not go away. They would get within one, and then the Grizzlies would run off 11 straight points. Uh, John Morant, another scintillating fourth quarter. We got a great version of fourth quarter job. Morant with 11 points in the fourth quarter. Finished with 37, a game-high number for him. Uh, the second most productive scoring night on opening night in franchise history behind 44 points by, yeah, you guessed it, John Morant last year against San Antonio. Morant, 29 field goal attempts, the most he has ever had in his career, made a couple of free throws down the stretch, made a leaning three-pointer as part of that 11-0 run, and the Grizzlies go on to win it 132-120. to one big issue for the Grizzlies in that fourth quarter they turned up the defense they forced five turnovers for 11 points from the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Grizzlies showed a nose for winning basketball games with what they were able to do in the fourth quarter against the Cleveland Cavaliers so again 37 from Morant DeAnthony Melton Desmond Bain both go for 20 plus big rebounding night for Steven Adams with 14. Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, did not shoot it particularly well, hit all of his free throws, finished with 13 points, six boards, four blocks. So a reasonable night from him. The three of 12 shooting, not exactly what you were looking for, and all three of his makes were from beyond the arc. He did have some difficulty going up against Jared Allen, who was absolutely fabulous for the Cavaliers. Jared Allen, two points off of his career high with 25 did not miss anything except a free throw. 11 of 11 from the floor and 3 of 4 from the free throw line. Throw in three blocks. This is a Cavaliers team, and there was some question who they were going to start. They got Laurie Markkinen from the Chicago Bulls in a sign and trade. They start Markkinen, Mobley, and Allen. So essentially three seven-footers across the front line, and Markkinen is playing your three more of a perimeter player anyway, but it was a massively sized Cleveland Cavaliers lineup. They did do some smaller lineups during the course of the night, but uh, they did start with Markkinen, Mobley, and Allen, and that 
proved to be pretty good front line for J.B. Bickerstaff. So the Grizzlies win it 132-121 over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Grizzlies 1-0 on the season, and it's not been many times in franchise history that we have been able to say that. So that was the week that was. And now on to some P's points. Number one, John Morant just continues not only to impress, but also to amaze with his ability. A couple of plays, there was the DeAnthony Melton lob that looked like it was headed to maybe the third row, and Morant somehow climbed the magical ladder, speared it with one hand, and jackhammered it down for an early candidate for dunk of the year, and then followed that up with a basket-saving block against Laurie Markinen to end the first half. Markinen is a seven-footer. He is rising up. He is trying to shoot it off the high glass, and the ball was about to impact the glass above the square. Morant somehow levitated and sent it back. Very, very close to a goal 10. Markinen thought that it hit the board first. The replays that I saw were not conclusive, but it did seem that Morant got it just a millisecond before it hit the glass and thus avoiding the goaltending violation. An amazing play. And the other piece about Ja is that he has been urged, I think really from day one, to be more aggressive offensively. And Morant, I mean, he's got such a good basketball mind. He feels very comfortable and feels very desirous of trying to get his teammates involved. And there were quarters last year, and Brevin and I would talk about this on the telecast, there were quarters where you weren't sure that Morant was on the floor. He, he, he became kind of invisible at times, being almost too deferential to everybody else on the floor. And the fact of the matter is, John Morant is the Grizzlies' alpha. He is their stone-cold killer. He is the guy who is going to be the man for this franchise as long as he wears Beale Street blue. So his offensive aggression, which we saw in the preseason and impressed us in the preseason, has carried now over into the regular season. Dribble drives, escape dribbles, great moves. I talked about how big the Cavaliers' front line was last night. He was able to dance around, through, and over them to get to the rim. Did not do a lot of perimeter shooting. As I said in the first quarter, every basket he made was in the painted area. So, And he was going up against a very big front line, going up against a fairly talented big front line. Jared Allen, great shot blocker. Mobley's going to be a great player, I think, for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And Morant comes up with 37 points. Really carrying on from what he did late last season, through the play-in tournament, and then into the series against the Utah Jazz. The kid's amazing. He's worked really, really hard. He has the respect of his teammates. His teammates love playing with him. Uh, And at the end of the game, there were MVP chants. I don't ever remember an MVP chant in FedEx Forum. So uh, it tells you just how much the FedEx Forum crowd appreciates John Moran and what they think of him. And certainly, I know, small sample size, it's Cleveland. They're not the best team in the NBA. But it certainly underlines what Grizzlies general manager Zach Kleiman was telling people before the season. He's going to be an all-star. John Moran continues to do what he did on opening night. Yes, he will be an all-star. So that's Petey's point number one. Number two, 
You don't have Dylan Brooks, so you didn't have that one-on-one defensive stopper. Grizzlies certainly could have used that last night, but they uh, they get the win anyway, and DeAnthony Melton was the best version of DeAnthony Melton that we have seen uh, throughout his tenure here in Memphis. Melton hit shots. He was disruptive defensively, was not credited with a steal, but he ended up with a team-high, game-high, plus 17 Four boards, three assists, very efficient. Four of six from three for 20 points. Great night by DeAnthony Melton. Now the question is, can the Grizzlies get this DeAnthony Melton on a consistent basis? There were times last year, too, where DeAnthony would be sensational as he was on opening night, and then the next night you weren't sure that he was on the floor. So that consistency of effort, that is going to be the biggest challenge for this Grizzlies team going forward. DeAnthony Melton can be a key part of this roster, particularly Dylan Brooks is going to be out for at least a couple of weeks. He'll be reevaluated, and we'll see if if and when he can come back with that fractured hand. In the meantime, DeAnthony Melton's got to hold down the fort. He's got to be the defensive stopper and a three-point shot maker, so he has to essentially pick up the role of Dylan Brooks, and uh, we know that he's capable. We know that he can do it. The fact of the matter is, is that he has to be able to do it. Uh, Steven Adams, PD's point number three, like Steven Adams, I think the Grizzlies fans are going to forgive Steven Adams. Although you really, I mean, I don't know that you need to forgive Steven Adams. Steven Adams got under everybody's skin when he was a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's part of his job. That's what, that's what he does. And the fact that Zach Randolph kind of backhanded him and, and listen, let's not call it a punch. It really was not a punch. It was kind of a backhanded swipe with a, with a closed hand. It was not a, not, a, not a punch. If Zach Randolph wanted to punch you, it, it, you'd, you'd know it, and, and that really wasn't a punch. Be that as it may, Stephen Adams, the hustle, and keeping rebounds alive, uh, a great jump ball play where he tapped it down court, uh, I believe, to John Moran for a breakaway layup, did a lot of really good things. 14 rebounds overall, six on the offensive glass. Grizzlies ended up with 13 second-chance points as a result. And if you put up 13 second-chance points per game, uh, you're going to be one of the better teams in second-chance scoring, which the Grizzlies were last year. Uh, Petey's point number four, the defense has to be better. You know, Cleveland is not an offensive juggernaut. Now, they're going to be better this year than they were last year. They have Ricky Rubio, and Rubio was a handful last night. Rubio with a double-double off the bench with 10 assists to just two turnovers. He's going to be a great influence uh, on this Cavaliers team, but the Grizzlies' defense has to be better. They let Osmond get away uh, in the first quarter. They let Rubio get wherever he wanted to go. And, you know, Darius Garland also with 12 assists. So Grizzlies have to do a better job defensively. Their transition defense was was not uh, what you would like. They did allow 23 transition points to a Cavaliers team that – well, J.B. Bickerstaff, like every coach in the NBA, says in preseason, we want to run more. Well, yeah, the Cavaliers did run more to the tune of 23 fast break points. They converted 10 of 13 opportunities in transition, and that is not what Taylor Jenkins and his staff will be very, very happy with. Final Petey's point for you. Uh, had an opportunity to visit, and some of you may have seen this on social media if you follow me on Twitter uh, or on Facebook, uh, to meet with Referee Tony Brown. Uh, Tony Brown is a finals-level referee. He refereed his first finals game in the Orlando bubble. 
And during the course of last season, he was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. Uh, if you know pancreatic cancer, that is a very, very difficult diagnose to deal with, uh, diagnosis to deal with. Uh, Greg Willard, who had been part of the NBA officiating staff, did have pancreatic cancer years ago, and he passed away from it. Uh, it is a devastating and usually fatal uh, disease, and Tony Brown is fighting it with every ounce of his strength. And uh, I had had the opportunity, I was down in Atlanta to call some soccer matches for Bally Sports South, and we had a really nice breakfast. And this is one of the things that I like about where the NBA is right now is that we as broadcasters can talk to referees and get a better understanding of what they go through and what they do on a daily basis and got to break bread with Tony Brown. And it was a tremendous visit. Uh, his spirit is great. Uh, he said the tumors are shrinking. The scans are showing that they're, uh, they're shrinking the scans with the chemotherapy he is hopeful of getting back on the court. If, if, and if Tony Brown gets back on the court, what an amazing story that would be to recover from pancreatic cancer and to be able to referee an NBA game. He uh, told me that he plans on being in the replay center and is staying active as much as he can to uh, follow what's going on in the NBA and uh, in the officiating circles. And to give you a sense of the NBA family, Tony Brown said every coach in the NBA has reached out at some point to offer words of encouragement, to offer prayers, and to just chat with him. And one of the guys who calls him and is in contact with him on a regular basis, and this comes as no surprise to those of us who know Taylor Jenkins. Yeah, Taylor Jenkins has been one of the one of the most um, enthusiastic boosters of Tony Brown. And Tony Brown reminding all of us uh, about courage and strength and quality of character and uh we, we had a tremendous visit in Atlanta, and uh, I just want to wish Tony Brown all the very, very best. He's an outstanding official, but he is an even better person. And to see him battle cancer this fiercely and with a happiness of heart and spirit is, is really encouraging. Uh, just visiting with him and talking with him, and, and it just lifted my spirits, and, and hopefully my presence lifted his a little bit. So there we go. Those are Petey's points for episode 63 of the Grizz Weekly Grind. And uh, while we have a break here, of course, we hope that with a new Grizzly season, one that offers up a tremendous amount of promise, we hope that you will uh, rate, that you will subscribe, and uh, let us know what's on your mind. Got a couple of questions on Twitter. You can DM me on Twitter. My DMs are open. If you have questions that you'd like me to answer, I do have a couple of officiating-related and rules-related questions that I will answer in the future, but I need a few more to open up the Grizzlies mailbag, and I would love to do that in a little bit, but uh, need, need a few more questions. So go ahead, whether you are subscribing through iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are getting your podcast, please do leave a rating, comments if you wish. Let us know if uh, there's something else that you would like to hear on the Grizz Weekly Grind. Today's show is being brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. NFL fans, if you're hungry for a big win this week, well, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It is that simple. Now, Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. 
DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and you win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And with that... Let's get to a very special edition of Friend of the Program. We had the opportunity to speak with Zaire Williams, the rookie out of Stanford, to get his thoughts the day before he would take the court for the very first time as an NBA player in a regular season game. Here is our Friend of the Program, Zaire Williams. Zaire, we're like 24 hours before tip-off of your first regular season game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. What's going through your mind right now? Man, a lot of excitement, joy, um, high energy. You know, I got a lot of um, good preseason games to warm up, get the feel for the NBA speed and tempo. So I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm confident about the way I played, and I'm just trying to just keep learning and keep growing. What was the first thing that you learned about the NBA game when you started playing summer league and then into the preseason? Definitely the uh, just the pace of the game, you know, going from slow to fast, fast to slow. Um, and just spacing, honestly. It's a whole lot of space on that court, so everyone's a threat. Um, but I love it, man. It's super fun. Um, you know, it's crazy. You know, I live my whole life just trying to get to this moment, so I'm just trying to enjoy every part of it. You said at your introductory press conference you couldn't wait to play with John Morant. You've had a chance to play with John Morant. What have you liked most about that? Man. What is there not to like? Um, just first off, just like just the person he is, you know, um, great leader, um, floor general, always looking for the open guy, and um, you know, sparks that fire um, and that rage into all of us. But he's just a phenomenal player, man. Gets everyone involved, gets to his spot whenever he wins. It's just good to learn from him and just see like why he is, how why he why he's the player he is. So he's a great role model to look at for sure. I'm always fascinated about origin stories. When did it become apparent to you that, hey, the NBA is a real possibility for me? Probably my senior year of high school, um, going into college. I had a really good EYBL session in 17s with the Oakland Soldiers. Um, got a little bit of name for myself and then started seeing uh, mock drafts and stuff like that. And um, when I got to college, and I was on like preseason like lists or whatever. Um, that's what I kind of knew. Like, oh, okay, people actually know about me a little bit, so maybe I can get some out of it. Um, but the goal was always just to get to college. You know, I went to Stanford, the best um, university in the world. So um, that's just a blessing alone, man. All this is just cherry on top. All right, so Brevin Knight certainly signs off on the whole Stanford piece. I get that. <laughs> I'm curious too. Your parents both military. Give me a sense of their influence they had on you in terms of work ethic and responsibility and accountability. Absolutely, man. It's everything. Um, loyalty, respect, you know. Um, just having discipline. Um, that's what I live off of. Those are the, the moral principles that I was taught. Um, you know, I've had a couple butt whoopings every now and then when I was little. Um, but, you know, it was all for the best. You know, they raised me to a respectful young man um, that treats everyone equally, no matter how high or how low you they may say you are on paper, um, so 
that's just the biggest thing, man. I love my parents to death, and, um, you know, I'm just blessed I get to take care of them now the way they've always taken care of me. What about leadership on this team? Give me a sense of what you like about Taylor Jenkins as a head coach. Man, he's just he just has that fire and then that rage, that excitement. You know, sometimes we'll play tag, play kickball, just to have fun. He's just a fun individual, man. Um, I love Taylor to death. We have the same birthday, so I might be a little biased. Um, but no, nah, man, that's my guy. He um, he just gives me unlimited confidence out there, man. Just no stress in the world. Just go out there, defend, and have fun. And so he tells me every game. So just to have a coach like that um, that believes in me and believes in what the player I am and just wants me to just go out there and be myself and compete hard, you can't ask for more better than that. Do you have any personal goals? I know this team wants to get back to the playoffs, but do you have any personal goals for your development this year rookie season? Yeah, man, I mean, shoot, just shoot the ball well, defend well, um, you know, make it to a rookie team. That will be cool. Um, but really just learn, man, and grow. Obviously, we want to make it to the playoffs and make far um, and prove a lot of people wrong. So um, it's a team effort. Um, so I'm just trying to just do my part individually every day to help that team or help our team um, achieve those goals. Final question. I'm going to flash forward a little bit. First road trip, we go to L.A. I know you've played ball with Bronny James. You've said LeBron is kind of your uncle. Your second road game, your second regular season road game is going to be LeBron James is going to be on the other side of the floor. Have you thought about that already, and and, and, and what have you thought about it? Yeah, I've, I've definitely thought about it. Um, I've joked about it with Bronny a couple of times. But, um, yeah, it's going to be crazy, man. It's fun just to play in a stable center. You know, I remember playing, watching – Kobe, you know, rest in peace, watching, you know, going to Clipper games for $15, $10, um, you know, my whole NBA, like, memory is from Staples Center, you know, so it's, uh, like I said, it's all a blessing, man. It still hasn't really hit me yet, like, I know it will when I'm on the court warming up and stuff, but uh, it's a dream come true, man. I'm just, I'm having fun, man. It's no stress, no, no pressure, no anything, you know, it's just a fun game, man, so it's no need for all that. Fun game. No stress. I love his attitude about the NBA game. He is really a, a wonderful young man, and I know that he's got some room to grow physically, uh, and he's got a ways to go to be the NBA player that the Grizzlies believe he can be. Uh, got uh, 17 minutes on the floor, three points, two boards, an assist, a steal. Uh, got his feet wet, and I, and I thought he acquitted himself pretty well uh, in the opener against the Cleveland Cavaliers. He is a very, very easy player to root for. He is a, a great interview, just a, a massive personality, and I think being around the people that he was around, playing AAU ball with Bronny James and with Dwayne Wade's son as well, uh, it, it has him ready for this moment. Uh, from a mental perspective, certainly. Physically, like I said, he's he's going to grow into it. He is very slight of frame, but I don't know necessarily that you want to really bulk him up. Uh, you know, Kevin Durant's not, <laughs> not real thick, and uh, his career has turned out pretty well. So uh, I'm a big fan of Zaire Williams. Want to see him succeed. He does have good playmaking ability. Uh, his basketball IQ is very, very high. And I think that the promise of Zaire Williams is really, really good. And that is something that the Grizzlies have to be encouraged about. The Grizzlies, even though they are the third youngest team in the league by average age, again, this year as they were last year, they don't need 
to rush Zaire along. They have enough talent. They have enough depth. And so it provides the Grizzlies with the luxury to draft a one-and-done like Zaire Williams. This Grizzlies front office typically had gone for guys who had been in college for two, maybe three years. See Desmond Bain, see Dylan Brooks. And they have reaped the benefits of that. Because they have done that, now they can take, as general manager Zach Kleiman called him on draft night, an upside pick. And so that really makes sense for the Grizzlies that Zaire Williams does not have to come in as the number 10 pick and immediately be impressive. He does not have to go in the starting lineup. I mean, you look at Evan Mobley of the Cleveland Cavaliers, number three overall pick, worthy of it, and and he is in the starting lineup for them after one year at USC. But um, Zaire Williams does not have to be rushed in any way, shape, or form. They can bring him along. They can develop him. This Grizzlies team has a ton of depth. Um, Didn't even get to see Jarrett Culver or Santi Aldama at all uh, or Xavier Tillman in the opener. And and these are all guys that can play. Uh, So there is depth with this team. And when you think of the 82-game schedule, the Grizzlies' depth is going to be a factor in this season. That's pretty much a wrap for Episode 63 of the Grizz Weekly Grind. Uh, Grizzlies going to fly to Los Angeles on Friday morning. Saturday game against the Clippers. Sunday game against the Lakers. They'll be off on Monday. Then on Tuesday, fly to Portland. Play the Trailblazers on Wednesday and the Golden State Warriors on Thursday. We already have an interview in the can with Rick Kamla of Sirius XM NBA Radio. Uh, That will be in episode 64, which will drop on Monday. Had a chance to sit down with Rick before the season started. Got uh, some of his picks for uh, which team in the West, which missed the playoffs last year, will be in the playoffs this year. Also uh, got a deep dive on his fandom and love of the Memphis Grizzlies and Dylan Brooks in particular. And we also cover some of the uh, ongoing storylines in the NBA, including the Ben Simmons saga in Philadelphia and Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. So that will be in the episode that will drop on Monday. That's Rick Kamla of Sirius XM NBA Radio, our friend of the program. So our thanks to Zaire Williams for being our friend of the program today, along with thanks to the Hoop City Basketball Club and DraftKings Sportsbook for their continued support of the Grizz Weekly Grind. This has been the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>